Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to episode 150 of the Square Ball Podcast. My name's Dan Moylan. Here is Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. So issue two of our fans, went on sale for the Derby game. If you want to get that one and every issue for the centenary season, then you can uh, subscribe right now on our website. We will post them to you or you can read them online. Entirely up to you. And you can check out the new Navy Blue Leeds Carajo hoodie, which I'm actually wearing right now. That's very nice. It looks, looks good on you. Yep. Jim, they didn't have your size. Oh, that's, that's harsh. That's harsh. And you've interrupted my flow now. Uh, you can have that to go with your mug, I was going to say. But there's only one mug in here, isn't there? And that's you, Michael. <laughs> oh, okay. You've told me. Yeah, that'll learn you. It's all at the squareball.net. Right then, reflections on Charlton. Uh, Michael, you're back, you're sober. How was your, your weekend in London? Busy, very busy there, very expensive. It's just, why don't people spread out a bit more? So busy, so busy. Um, no, it was Would a, you it, like some of the Londoners to move to Pontefract? Is that what you're after? Oh no, no, they can move, I don't know. Wakefield? Yeah, Castleford. Just Castleford will do for them. My main reflection on the day is, Kiko, what, Why? Why? I'd not seen it back when I spoke to you. Mm. But why? Yeah, I've had, since had a chance for a closer look. Replayed it a few times. I don't really understand. He's tried to punch it in a position you can't possibly hope to get the ball away from. It's the sort of punch that would be fine on the edge of the penalty area. If he'd come charging out a goal and done that, that's great, but sort of... Though it, on the edge of the penalty area, it would have still been easier to catch. Why? That's true. Why has he done it? Why has he done that? Because it looked like a sort of a goal, goalkeeper's reflex action. But it's a weird one. No goalkeeper, that shouldn't be your reflex. If the ball is coming at you when you're standing on your goal line, your reflex shouldn't be. It was almost like half a scorpion kick. He kind of flings his, his ankles up in the air and, and does this diving punch. But he's not, from a standing start, one, that's a bad idea. And two, when you've got two or three players in front of you, it's an even worse idea. Mm. And three, when you Kiko Kassia, it's a terrible idea, but then lots of things seem to be. I'm starting to get my first wobbles of anxiety about this season. It's all It felt to me like it's all been relatively plain sailing up to this point. Like, hang on a second, I know we're not scoring, but it'll come good. And I'm starting to get a little bit worried now. Yeah, I think you're not alone. Saturday was the first time I've thought, Maybe there are some problems, actually. Dropping to fourth is pretty much as bad as dropping into the relegation zone at this point. But I think the thing with with Saturday was we didn't deserve to win that game particularly. I know technically we did create slightly more chances than the XG will suggest we should have won, etc. It wasn't like the Derby game, for example, where we should you could genuinely point to like four or five chances and be like, that should have been a goal, that mm. should, that should. This, there were a couple where it sort of went flashed across goal and people were a, a couple of feet off it. But we weren't carving them open, were we? Maybe those those chances should be better, though. That's the thing. I was looking at some of them and thinking, 
yeah, it is a flash across goal and nobody's, it's not like somebody's connected with it and put it wide like a Luke Varney or something. They're just like a couple of yards away from connecting. I'm thinking, well, shouldn't they be connecting? Shouldn't they actually be just putting that in the net if the ball is going across? Maybe they should have just thought, oh, set off a little bit sooner. <laughs> we so do that's, pro- that's what my wife always says to me, but you know, when we're late getting out of the house, yeah, start getting ready earlier. It's a good idea. But we, we do, we should be used to this because we put in about a hundred crosses a game. They all that, know what's going to happen. That everyone fails to connect with. Yeah. So you think some of them might be like, maybe hmm. we could change something Although to we, connect with them. We did, I mean, we, we, number one, we scoffed about XG on the last podcast. I don't know if you remember this. We, we went, ha, 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 ha. Well, we, all, we, we all predicted three ones, four ones and three nils. And we said, oh, it'll be a massive XG score and we'll lose one nil. Well, we didn't get a massive XG score. We got 1.6 and we still lost one nil. It was the worst the only time we've had a worse XG score this season was Brentford at home, which we won 1-0. Do you know what I think we should start measuring it on? AG, actual goals. Yeah, I mean, no, that's obviously, that's absolutely right. But, I mean... And we're not getting them. XG is useful to see what, where it's going wrong and what we should get out of it. I do find, I, I flip between finding it a bit of a chuckle and also finding it useful. Because it is there that Charlton's was 0.42, Ours was 1.6. And you can see there's a, this app, InfoGo, shows you a map and you can see Charlton have two mm. dots for their chances. And we've got loads of like weird little tiny ones where you can see that we're having lots of efforts that are not very good, unlikely right. to go in. Mate, to look and that's this, kind of useful to know. To look at this in another way, we've said before that we should have basically won every game this season up to this one. And this one should probably have been nil-nil. And if that had happened, we'd be all right with this being nil-nil. I would say. Yeah. Because they're a decent team. They're well set up. They've not got any great individual quality, I don't think, but Boyer obviously has them playing in a way that's working for him. Mm, I mean, we're recording on the morning of the West Brom game, so when we record the match ball later on tonight, it might be a vastly different tone, but it does feel like we've got into that high-stakes game that we got into towards the end of last season where every game seems to have more attached to it than the previous one. We're not kind of just settling into a steady run of victories here already because we've started dropping points at home and now this on top of uh, the Derby draw. It feels a little bit like the pressure's starting to mount now. A bit, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's filtering through to the, the play and just to sort of relate it to that but to labour the XG thing a bit is you can kind of drill into the, the chances the players are taking and see that like Tyler Roberts has had an effort that had a 3% probability of going in Calvin's had one that's got a 2% probability of going in. So we're getting Jack Harrison 3%. So he would have to do that 30 times to expect it to go in. So we're getting with those... It's good uh, maths. Yeah. We're doing more of those kind of desperate attempts that are unlikely rather than just getting right down to, yeah, it's going to score. And that's, that's an indication of where we're going wrong last season of just trying these increasingly unlikely attempts to score and I think yeah it's it's this desperation of particularly you could see it on Saturday I think where the players felt like everything they tried is not going to work so they just increasingly tried stupid things well that little um, you know that one two that we do like out wide where the, the runner gives it to the guy on the edge of the box who then slots it into the channel for them to pull it back and then one of the fullbacks taps it in at the far yeah. post didn't feel like we did that particularly on Saturday. Whereas no. we did against Derby for the vast majority. And maybe it's just that our memories have been a little bit coloured by dropping points in the last couple of games. I don't know. Well, as Bowie said, his, he changed to three at the back after 20 minutes. And then after they'd taken the lead, he switched to eight at the back, basically. Um, they had three central defenders. Then the fullbacks 
came back as well. And then you've got the the two holding midfielders drop back. So that's not eight. How many is that? That's five, seven players. Seven players tasked with just blocking any path. And so there's no space. But the players we have should have the, the wit and the wisdom to be able to find some space in not, that situation. Not that I'm trying to liken it, us to that team, but like Guardiola's Barcelona at points got to this stage where they, the opposition just let them put crosses in while all of their players just stood in the box and cleared everything that came in. And it is hard to break down, mm. and particularly when you're defending a lead, you can afford to do that. And that, I don't know, maybe maybe that's where Pablo or Saiz or someone like that does come in, someone who can maybe unlock a bit of a, a sneaky through ball or something. I, I kind of miss it from, because um, last week on the Extra Ball, we were talking about the Viduka 4-3 game. And it was so telling that you just put the ball at his feet inside a, a crowded penalty area and he does a back heel or he, he turns in an unexpected way and then just shoots and scores. And it's kind of, I think you would put Mark Viduka in that penalty area on Saturday and just ping the ball at him and wherever on his body it hit, he'd control it, turn, shoot and it will probably be a goal. And that's kind of, that's maybe something we're, we're missing is just that intelligence of how to create a goal-scoring chance in a crowded penalty area that isn't just pinging the ball, pinging across from side to side and missing everybody. Yeah, and the difference there is Mark Viduka would transfer into a top four or five side in England, but we're in the championship and that's why we've got the calibre of players that we've got. Do you think he's he could come now? He's probably out of contract somewhere. He, he was, I mean, it, the, his physique never held him back skill-wise, so I don't see why a, a 40-year-old, 45-year-old... How old's Mark Viduka? Probably he's about 45. Yeah, I don't see why a 45-year-old Mark Viduka can't just play the same as a 25-year-old one. Yeah, surely it'll work, yeah. I'm all, I'm all for it. Dear um, Mr Bielsa. You were just looking through those little dots there that suggested the quality of chances that we're creating, not very good. And... I think it's absolutely fair to say Harrison and Costa were completely off it at the weekend. Costa, the most disappointing. And um, we're evidently, according to your little dots, not creating great chances for Bamford. And I know he's gone from being on the receiving end of a lot of stick to something of a sacred cow that you can't criticise now. But he has to, I think, bear a little bit of the responsibility for it. It depends. I mean, it's the sort of player he is, I think. It's like we were saying about Viduka. He's the kind of man you could just give a ball to and he'd just create a bit of space and twat it in a corner or sometimes just chip it deftly over a goalkeeper who's, who's no idea where he is Bamford I, I, don't, I don't really know what does he do yeah that's what I'm I'm trying to say this in a nice way because like Niketia and this is not a direct comparison between the two but we know he's a goal poacher and he's going to run the line whereas I'm not quite sure what Bamford does you don't no. look at him and think he's like Viduka who's was quite a complete footballer wasn't he who, who distributes it and hold it up really really well I'm not quite sure what he does. And he's big, but he's certainly not a target man. And he's kind of skillful, but he's not messy. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, what's a really interesting thing is because we asked the question on Twitter about what we're missing and somebody suggested Roof. Because you knew what you were going to get out of Roof and that is running the line, running the back line and tiring out the defenders. We, we, we remember, you know, the playoff uh, semi-final first leg, the torrid time he gave Richard Keogh, whereas he didn't get that in the second leg with Bamford and like I'm not directly laying into Bamford's a good player he's a good player I just worry that he's not good enough yeah and it's been interesting over the last couple of weeks because the one thing that uh, you could say in Bamford's praise was that his excellent work outside the box that he's been um, link up play and uh, dropping deep and all this stuff has been has been genuinely 
really good and to his credit and working hard. But then you look at it and say, well, what's the actual result of this? What's it helping us to achieve? What is a, a, a Bamford dropping deep and, and playing good one-twos with click doing for us when the ball goes in the box and there's no bugger there that can put it in the net? So I mean, it's kind of how almost, many goals has he scored now? Oh. Three? Mm, can't remember. We should probably get this right before we lay into him too much. But, I mean, we're just not scoring enough goals in general, so we know mm. this. To go back to Roof, I think, because we've had a couple of bad results, it's maybe easy to look to him, but then... We essentially swapped Roof and Ketia, who has won us points in other games. So, if you know, does does Roof come on against Brentford as win as that game? I'm not completely sure he does. So you've got to look at, at both sides of it. You know, in certain games, I think Roof would have been more effective. Probably on Saturday, Roof mm. might have been the man, but, you know. You can and this, so I, I guess this is where the, the clamour for Enketia to, to come into the team actually comes from. Well, then, if it's not Bamford, and we can... I'm, I'm completely it's agnostic about this. Bamford has scored four in nine. Right, OK. Which, in, on paper, is a great record. He's got an assist as well. But it, do, it feels to me like it's ages since he scored for whatever reason. Yeah. I'm being unfair to him, I don't know. Mm, no, I think you're probably right. Um, so if we say it's not his responsibility because the quality of chances that we're making is not good enough, then mm-hmm. let's look at the wingers and Costa. Well, I think that was a more disappointing thing than anything Bamford did on uh, Saturday was that Costa was signed to be to take the burden off Hernandez when he can't play, when he's you know being fed at the old folks' home or whatever. And... Um, and he just didn't. That was his first start. Everyone said, right, £15 million, let's have a look. And there was just nothing. Harrison did a little bit in the first half. He was kind of taking over. He was taking over Hernandez's job of kind of coming in from the wings and playing as a a, a central playmaker. But that kind of fizzled out a bit. And then it just came down to, well, we're just going to stand on the wings and just ping these crosses across and and do now. And that's the thing I think maybe with Harrison, it's all really, really good. He, he works really hard. He covers a lot of ground. Everything up to and including his first touch is great, his movement and all that. And it's after that that it kind of uh, becomes a little bit frustrating. That's probably an understatement. People were, people were actually quite angry on Saturday about Harrison's crosses. There was one lovely one to the front post that Enketia headed over. It looked a really good cross. He like he he shaped to go around the fullback and then put in a really early ball from from out wide and it dropped right onto Enketia's head with the perfect pace and power and he pinged it over. But it is as it's like it was like a unicorn rather need, than a regular occurrence. Do we need to worry? Do, do we need to? Because the tendency with Leeds fans is rip it all up and chuck it in the bin and start again. And we know we can't do that because we have transfer windows to prevent us doing that. So, so how how do we solve this? I don't think he'll try and do anything drastic just yet, won't be able to. I think he's going to stick with this for now. Because as we've we've covered, we've basically had one fairly mediocre performance this season, which was on Saturday, mm. in a game that we still shouldn't have lost. Because we've not looked, we've talked about our chances and you know the XG and stuff. Although we, with XG, we do need to adjust for sure chances. There needs to be some yes. sort of FG <laughs> formula where you divide his chances by 100 or something, because... He's never really going to score. No, it's is just it? a force field, isn't it? But they, I mean, their chances were, I think one of their XG chances was Kiko pushing the ball into yeah. someone, which isn't a chance, really. It rate, I think it rated as 0.35 or something. So it was like, yeah, a third of a uh, a goal so that's worth. And they got a whole one. Yeah, and, that, and that's not something they've created. So well, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with the way we're playing, I don't think. No. Sometimes you'll draw, draw nil-nil away from home and that's kind of all right. It's just that, We've failed to take chances in other games. Yeah, because I've I've written in the Yorkshire Post today about strikers and uh, where Leeds get them from and what we do with them. I'm, I'm getting suggestions of who should play on Twitter and there's a lot of Ryan Edmondson talk out there 
Also a, a curious uh, concurrent move for getting Pascal Stroik in to sort out the set pieces. Um, I'm not sure if I'm expecting somebody to propose Eddie Gray as manager at some point, but we are already leaning, getting to that point of, you know, I mean, I, I don't know who you, you would, Stroik looks good, but I don't know who we're going to drop to bring him in. And I'm not sure that, what is he, 20, 21? Like he's the guy to, to solve our set piece problems. If Kiko could catch, then it wouldn't be a problem. And then Edmondson, I mean... Do you, know yeah. what it is? Do you know what I think it might be? I think it might just be small failures all mm. over the pitch, just little shortcomings. Harrison's that's a, that's a harsh way to describe Adam Forshaw. <laughs> but the man's been in the Premier League, but you know, he's not what I mean? that short. He's quite. He's five foot ten. But do you know what I mean? Jody Morris, he's a short failure. We can't pick out like the right ball, or you know, Costa has an off day at the same time that Harrison can't uh, place a ball. And Bamford is good, but not quite good enough. Nicketi is still young and he's raw. Um, still makes mistakes. And Phillips just, was rubbish. Yeah, Phillips marked out of the game. So actually, yeah. adult, do, do we need to give credit to Charlton? Nah, well? fuck him. <laughs> Why? Why should we? Yeah, they ruined our weekend. Fuck him. They set up well and they stole a goal, really. It was, yeah. Well, we gave him it, didn't we? Well, we'll get on to the West Brom game in a bit, which is happening uh, later on this evening, uh, which we're, I think we all might be marginally terrified about it in much the same way that we were last year. But um, we are now fourth going into this game. Uh, Pablo's not there tonight, but we'll again come on to that. Might be back for Millwall at the weekend. Um, for sure, I reckon we'll probably start tonight, maybe, and Tyler Roberts continues his recovery. It's good, because Hernandez always plays well away at Millwall. Game he loves. <laughs> and in that break, I'm told uh, that, well, what, for sure, is he out tonight, is he? Apparently, he said he's uh, still struggling with the injury um, he had. So unlikely, he'll probably be on the bench again, I would think. And there you go. We're properly up to date now. We'll see what happens tonight. Um, we mentioned before the extra ball there, which is our other podcast. It goes with this one. And we take a deeper dive into topics. Not we answer your questions. We even play silly games as well. And this week, we are going to go back through the 01-02 season, which was the last chance that we had to get it right before the meltdown commenced, wasn't it? But it all boded so well going into it. We just missed out on the Champions League the year before, but we knew we'd do it this year because we had a better team. We had a better team, no, free of a few injuries, not the distraction of the Champions League run. Top of the league at Christmas, weren't we? New Year's Day. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, nothing and everything. In fact, as uh, David O'Leary himself said, we have built something good here and the only way it can go wrong is if it self-destructs from within. Was that, in his, was that in his book? <laughs> Thanks to you if you are already subscribing to The Extra Ball. If not, it's two ninety nine a month and we want you to enjoy it. Check it out for free for the first month and the more people that get behind us, the more that we can do. You can sign up now at thesquareball.net forward slash The Extra Ball. Right then, Derby County. Why did I start laughing as soon as I saw this <laughs> was next on the sheet? Right. It's not a laughing matter, it's very serious. Now, you know, I know there's been a lot of anger uh, and pointing out of the media not covering this. Now, we should say, from a legal standpoint, we can't really get into it because it's an ongoing police investigation. So we kind of have to be very careful about what we can say. It's ongoing funny. Yeah. Can we say that? I mean, we should state as well, drink driving as a whole, not funny. No. Clearly, it's a stupid thing to do. If, if anyone vaguely innocent had been injured in this, it would have been an awful thing. Mm-hmm. As it was the person injured was Richard Keogh. So, yeah. Are you saying he's not an innocent man? <laughs> I'm saying Morally was, and ethically. And, he was in the back of a car public. with a man who had previously been uh, chucking up into a urinal. So, yep. who, who He'd chosen to get in a car with him. So, Or maybe it was Tom Lawrence's car, I can't remember. But anyway, he knew drink had been taken. This was not a, he may have had a pint too many, mm. it's probably fine situation. 
And it doesn't seem to have worked out very well for him. No, seems to have ended his career. Yeah, I mean, well, he's got. They reckon that this knee injury uh, potentially until December twenty twenty. So it's like a, it's a fifteen month uh, knee injury. He's thirty three and he's got an eighteen month contract at Derby County. So, is one will he even come back from this? Because I mean, a fifteen month knee injury almost sounds like that's a conservative estimate. I don't know what state his leg must be in. He may have lost his electric pace. <laughs> And then who is going to uh, employ him after that? Because, oh, oh, okay, Richard Keogh, yeah, name doesn't ring a bell. So what happened? Serious knee injury. But he's shown great resolve to uh, to come back from it. It's like, oh, okay, how how did he get this knee injury? Well, okay, it's like, no, well, maybe let's not sign that wanker. That's the thing. So, I think um, on that, what we can say is that had this been another club, and when I say another club, I mean Leeds United... The coverage of it might have been a little bit different. Mm. I mean, it did make big splashes on the the backs of the papers with the the photos from Snapchat, and um, it's kind of amusing as well that Derby County made that big uh, play with their club statement that threw their players under the bus. Are probably a lot more than we would probably be legally comfortable with doing. Like, if you want to see all the things that we don't think we can say, read Derby County's website, because it's all on there. And then they said that then Tom Huddleston will now be the uh, the club captain going forward. And then the next thing you see is all the, the screenshots from Tom Huddleston's Snapchat of the players on that night out. And the the weekend comes around and Tom Huddleston is not the captain after all. And it's just... Kalku must have sat down going through the squad and just gone like, right, which one of these knobheads can I trust anymore? And then thinking, well, at least I've got Wayne Rooney coming in a couple of months, so that'll that'll sort them out. It's a shame Rooney wasn't already there, because he would have definitely been involved in this. Yes. I mean, that's the most legally dubious thing you have said. Um, in your opinion. In my opinion. Yeah. I think he, I think he a, would have... I think he is a man who enjoys hijinks. And, but not drink driving. No, no, not drink driving. Would you describe drink driving as hijinks? <laughs> no, I'm saying that's what Wayne Rooney likes. So this is why we need and to he not may talk have, about He may have mistaken what was going on <laughs> as hijinks. But yeah, I mean, part of the Spygate stuff is that TalkSport had a lot of mileage out of it as well. And they realistically are not in a position to get on a high horse about this, given the host of their breakfast show has been done for drink driving. Jim White, who does like, does he do mo- like mid-mornings? He has been done for drink driving. Well, no, Pete it was, Saunders it was, it was has failure, been done for drink driving. He was failure to supply a breath test was Jim White and he was banned from driving for that. Okay. So they, they have a history of driving. For, but this is something that sort of plagues football in general anyway. And I wrote about it last year with the in the square ball comparing the Spygate stuff with the the racist chanting at Millwall and somebody, get, somebody got stabbed before the Everton game, didn't they? So that was happening around the the same time as everybody was condemning Leeds for Spygate. And football media is set up to be absolutely condemning of things that don't actually fucking matter. So Spygate, they can get everything, ring every last bit of moral lesson out of that. But when it comes to something that is actually serious, you're asking a fucking idiot like Dean Saunders for, a, for an opinion on anything, and he's out of his depth. You're not, you can't ask Dean Saunders about knife crime and You racism. can't ask him about much of a minute. And, um, um, but you can ask him about uh, what I, I've started calling it illicit scouting is what uh, I think Bielsa was up to. You can ask him about illicit and he'll go on, he'll bang on all day, but football is just not set up. If Tom Lawrence had spat at Richard Keogh... Oh, we'd never hear the end of that's it. That's the worst thing you can do. What Worse than worse than his leg falling in half. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's, I'd rather someone snapped all my knee ligaments than spat at me. And uh, and this is... it's sort of, We can only... 
Yeah, so we can't expect the media at large to kind of cover this stuff, but we, as Leeds fans, can enjoy the fact now that on Monday night, Mason Bennett was tweeting his laughter at um, Leeds United getting the FIFA Fair Play Award. And then, what are we talking, within 48 hours, suddenly his name is uh, in a very different light. And the... uh, the karma involved is something that, yeah, we don't, we sort of don't have to worry about how the, the rest of the world's reporting it. We can just sit here and look at the fact that, uh, yeah, Richard Keogh might have celebrated that draw at Elland Road, like with the biggest licks ever, getting in Alioski's face, or I mean, that was probably vice versa, but um, but that's the last thing he will do as a top-level professional footballer. He won't go to the European Championships. Good. Fuck him. And he probably won't uh, get back into another championship-level football team again. And, you know, good. Fuck him. Do you think sometimes he's waking up thinking, oh, I had a dream something really terrible happened. And he looks down at his broken leg and he just think, then he just thinks, oh, no, we did equalise at Ellen Road. <laughs> Everything is fine. You see, most most of the people, it's a it, it's a story often in football and it could have serious consequences for the boat. And you'd, you'd read the, the thing later on about the... Ten years later, it's the story of the player who had their career ended by a shocking tackle that happened on the pitch that they had no control over. And you, you come away with some uh, sympathy for Michael Bridges and all his his horrendous injuries. He should have been an England international for 15 years and instead he ended up at Carlisle and had to build his career in Australia and making the best of it. And it's like, oh, that, that shit. This case, fuck it. Did it to himself, really, isn't it? There's nothing, there's no random kind of act of another player injuring him on the pitch. Yeah. It's... Death of a fool. He made his own decisions and um, and he's got to pay the consequences and I will not give much mind to uh, to the sob stories when they come out. I mean, we've had our say on it there. Uh, Frank Lampard, nothing to say on it, that. Nothing. And that, again, <laughs> summed up what I was saying before about the state of the way football talks about stuff. Lampard can't say anything about that because of... To an extent, there's the the legal implications, but with him, it's much, much more. He said, I didn't want to talk about things that are going on at another club. It's the reason. He didn't say it was the legal consequence. He didn't say it's an ongoing uh, court case coming up. He said, I don't want to comment about the things that are going on at at another club. And then he's asked about Leeds getting a fair play award and uh, and bangs on and on and on and on about Spygate. And it's, it's that nest of fucking vested interest that we had with all the Spygate stuff and everybody scratching each other's backs and saying, oh, and I'm sure at some point, Frank Lampard, once this, the, the legal consequences have all gone through, he'll be the first to say, you know, I had, I had Mason and Tom at Derby and was there, good lads, you know, and they've, they've made a mistake, but, you know, you've got to, you've got to welcome them back, you know, there's this, whereas Marcelo Bielsa, so did he, how dare he do anything in public ever again? And that's the, uh, and it's it's what we're we're always up against. You um you do wonder, don't you, about what sort of culture Lampard was overseeing at that club, given that he was there only months ago, and whether well, there was the big bar bill, wasn't there, after yeah. the playoff semi final? Which... Yeah, and we saw the footage of them in the the changing rooms when he's the one leading the cheerleading, like just like one of the lads, and it's kind of I don't imagine I don't imagine Philip Koku, who played for Barcelona and uh, um, was a Dutch international. I suppose the Dutch used to just stay sober and just bitch behind each other's backs at every World Cup. But I don't imagine he's come in and he's, he's looked at what Lampard was doing. He said, right, lads, you know what we need to do? More beer. And the, Well, the other week, we also, we also saw the size of Tom Huddleston. 
which this does ex- go a certain way to explaining as well. I mean, they were staying at Alton Hall, weren't they, on Friday? And if you are to believe the internet accounts that were tweeted to us, um, there was somebody there on a works do who said their players were drinking on the Friday afternoon and their, some of their backroom staff were up late on Friday night as well, ahead of a 12.30 kickoff on Saturday morning. There was nothing really in their performance at Island Road that made me look like they're a team that really wants to be promoted. They're just a, they're just a team of footballers who were just getting a load of money and they just, like the playing the match is almost incidental. They just go out and if and beating drawing with Leeds was probably the, the highlight of the season. And and Mason Bennett with his big licks on, about the FIFA Fair Play Award, you look at his actual playing record and you say, "Well, who the fuck are you? you? You're shit. You've not done anything in the game. Just and a, you're not a, a, a rich young idiot now." Yeah, that's it's what playing for Derby has made him. That's all he's got out of football is a load of money and a load of fucking stupidity and now a big headache. Fair point, fair point. Then on to the under-23s. Douglas and Alien both withdrawn after 35 minutes of that under-23 game against, was it Crew? Yes. We played against, uh, we were crap in the first half of that though, weren't we? We were awful. I watched it. I was I was considering going out to uh, Thorpe Arch to watch it actually, but it was it was raining and that. So. <laughs> <Watched> it, <laughs> Not like Bielsa, are you? Or you'll take a stroll in the rain. Watched it on the stream instead. Uh, second half we were good actually, but the worryingly, I thought the first half we were terrible and that's when we had actually more first-team players on the pitch. We had... Uh, Ailing and Douglas, who admittedly didn't have an awful lot to do, really. But and then Clark on the wing. One thing about Jack Harrison, loads of people saying, "Oh, Jack Clark needs to play instead of him now." Not based on that, he doesn't. He was shit, absolutely shit. Couldn't beat their fullback. Um, didn't really get involved in anything. So that worried me a bit. Uh, second half, we were we were better. We brought um, Cresswell on. You know, Richard's son. What's his name? He has his own name too, but let's just call him Richard's son. For <laughs> Charlie. Now. Charlie, that's the one. He was decent. Robbie Gotts was good. Yeah, we we can we should have probably equalised in the second half, but in the end we got we got one back through Gotts. Ailing had to come off, I think, to go and sign his contract because that's what he's done today. This morning it's been announced that he signed his contract yesterday, so we've got four more years of Bill. That's good. I'm pleased for him. Yes, new four year deal with the Whites, committing his future until the summer of 2023. It's great, he says, and I'm really happy to sign on. Yeah, Charlie Creswell did get a contract. Uh, Richard, sorry, Richardson. Did Richardson. Get, he did get a contract. Fraser Richardson's got a contract. And Stuart McKinstry as well signed his first professional contract on top of well, Bryce Hosanna, uh, Stroik and Kuhn. Uh, how do you pronounce his surname? Because I'm, I'm, I see a jumble of letters and I'm fearful of it. I believe he is Tumaneskov. That's the one. But he has a he goes under a different name on the Coventries. It's like Mihailihov or something mm. like that. It's quite confusing. But I think he's happy being called Kuhn. I've never asked him, but yeah, I hope he doesn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. It's because his name. Yeah, he should be happy with that. People calling him by his name, that's always a good thing. Jamie the Tornado Shackleton, there's another name for you. More Lamrani memories have come to light on um, on Twitter. I, I'm just enjoying the bright yellow background and the uh, the, the European-style text as well. It just it brings a smile to my face every time I see uh, Lamrani posting these. There was a good detail in this when he said that uh, after a few weeks of competition, the captain, Liam Cooper, asked Marcelo Bielsa to allow Shacks to integrate into the first-team dressing room. The act summarises the esteem the team feels for him. Kindness, modesty and respect for others, which are his main human virtues, complete a beautiful personality. But that's interesting that Cooper went to Marcelo Bielsa and said, like, can he come in? I assume he must have been, like, sitting at the door of the dressing room, getting changed on his own outside of the tunnel. <laughs> can, I, can I come in? No! We've discussed before Lamrani's a uh, very handsome man as well, but I don't like the way he's used this as a little shout-out to Shaq's mum. I think she needs to keep... 
keep keep a close eye. So What's Mrs. Shaq's uh, been well, up to? Son of the region. He could realise... I like son of the region as well, yes. that's excellent. Yeah. Um, he could realise his dream of playing for his beloved team thanks to his consistency, his work ethic and the education he received from his family, especially his mother. How does he know what education he received from his mother <laughs> in particular? I hope, um, I hope Mrs. Shackleton and Salim will be very happy together. On to one of our historical features now, then the blasphemy baton, which we can't be asked explaining to you anymore. We just want it to go away. We wish it was history, never mind historical. I'm still well into it. I love that uh, Ross is keeping up with this. Yeah, Ross Chaplin, who is at Mason Cooper 4 on Twitter. Give him a follow. He's keeping track of the blasphemy baton for us now. Um, We'll keep this one short, shall we? Olympiacos, they still have it. Of much more significance these days, and the spin-off from that is the booze baton, which is going to be determining the location of our end-of-season promotion party, which is 100% happening, uh, despite our misgivings earlier on in this podcast. This was the idea of Eden J. Harris on Twitter, who is better known by his nickname of Garden. Basically, we started the season with the end-of-season party in Leeds, and then a team gives up the baton by losing, and that's where the the location of the party will be. It's gone uh, via Stoke to Birmingham and Preston, but they were not out of the Carabao Cup 3-0 to Manchester City who then retained it versus Everton so currently the location for the end of season promotion party is Manchester there's a reasonable chance they won't lose again either Mm. they're very good oh they'll lose in the Champions League though because they're never going to win that that's true so we could end up somewhere in Europe but we, I'm fairly sure, and this is it's up to garden. Only domestic features count, oh, fixtures count because because okay. of the expense involved in an end of season party in like Bratislava or something. We could take a decision based on where it is because they could lose in the Champions League to Liverpool, for example. So there's a lot of permutations. There's a lot of football still to be played, lads. But if we do go to Manchester, I've done I've done my research again, and Bar Wave, I think, is where we're going to go. Found a review on TripAdvisor. They've they've used some numbers in the title of this, I think, to avoid a spell, uh, a, a language filter. But it basically says, pissy old <laughs> is the headline of it. On entering the bar, the smell of piss was very strong. It burnt my eyes. I somehow got past um, got past this after five pints of the cheap watered-down beers. Stayed for five pints in a place that stank of piss. The floor was sticky, but this wasn't as bad as the people in there who looked like they'd be on Jeremy Kyle. I met a local called Blue Shirt Steve. He was the leader of the gang of the smelly, ugly, tone-deaf karaoke singers that also smelt like piss. Music, bad. It was 50-year-olds doing karaoke. I would recommend this place. Well, if you are 60, stink of piss and like terrible music, then this is the place for you. Sarah, whose location is Manchester there, so a resident of the city who's well-versed in so the... So Bar Wave. Bar yeah. Wave, if you're in the area, you want to check that out for us. Sounds amazing. Sounds a bit like the three legs, to be honest. <laughs> we might as well just go there. There is a, a photo section on their website. Obviously, it doesn't work very well on the, on the podcast. But sweet baby Jesus and the orphans! You know they take photos of the punters um, in nightclubs these days. I think that one's died. <laughs> yep, some very dark circles there. It could be a it could be an interesting. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who who Manchester City go next. Somebody will be. Yeah, probably. Yeah, we'll find out next time. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com weightloss weight loss. That's PlushCare.com weightloss weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, it's West Brom tonight. They are in great form. They still haven't lost this season. And Slaven Bilic has them top of the league. So uh, we have nothing to fear. You really think so, Michael? Uh, no, we've got quite a lot to fear. They're quite good. Um, and confidence is low. If we're not in front after 16 seconds this time, there'll be people <laughs> screaming from the stands. At which minute do you think the tension will start to creep in if it's nil-nil? One. You think? Yeah, right from the start. There's, there's no there's no relaxed attitude. And it was, um, you could feel it in the, the Derby game last out. And I think Phil Hay might have ended up writing about it, just how it's not a lot of fun watching football at Elland Road at the moment. You feel this, this anxiety from the, the first moment. And um, yeah, I think we're going to have a, a lot of that tonight. So, good game to go to. If you haven't got a ticket yet, <laughs> get yourself down to the ticket office. It's amazing, isn't it, how we can be witnessing the best football that I can remember in my entire lifetime. And uh, it's still horrible and tense. It's, good. it's expectation, isn't it? That's the thing. This yeah. point last year, we were still all right with it. We were just enjoying it's the fact. a nice surprise. We were mainly good. We were getting much better performances out of all the players who we thought were previously absolutely terrible under Heckingbottom. Whereas now we've seen we can be good and there's just little things going wrong. Why aren't we good all the time? If you remember the, the 1989 Race for the Title video when we won Division 2, around this sort of stage at the start of the season, uh, I can't remember what the score is, I think we draw a match and there's Wilkinson's going off the pitch, there's that famous fan in the crowd who goes, who are you going to sign, hey? Who are you going to sign? Never mind, never mind Ian Rush, you need Van Basten with this lot because we weren't scoring goals and we needed a new striker. Mm. Very familiar, and we we but we we ended up winning the league in a very relaxed manner. <laughs> I've seen plenty of people pointing out as well that Norwich this point last season were about eleventh. We beat them three really 0 didn't we? Yeah, we hammered them. So there's there's still time. All is not lost. We're like, what are we? Two three points off the top, and we're still about forty games left to play. <laughs> I mean, it should be fine. Yeah. It's time to fix this. We just, I think what we just need to do is get over this hump. It's what we keep saying about just that comfortable home win against somebody or a resounding 4-0, I would take that as well. Get over that hump, reset and do it, you know, go again as the phrase goes. And West Brom's results, we kind of mentioned this on the, the match ball, that they're not, the results aren't great with a 1-1 at Reading, 1-1 at Derby, 1-1 uh, at Fulham. They were losing against Huddersfield. Yeah, they let, they let Huddersfield score twice, which is ridiculous. Two goal start. Um, I mean, maybe the word, but they let Blackburn score twice as well. So, I mean, I'd like to be able to say that their defence makes it look like we'll score against them. But I mean, it could be they could just have a cat, not Kiko the cat, just an actual cat sitting in the, the, the penalty area and, and nothing else on the pitch, and we would probably Bamford and miss. Um, so I, I do worry. Although if Slaven Bilic is listening and he wants to just play a cat, I'd be down for it. 
anything you can do to help us. I mean, it may happen. It really may happen. Uh, it's not listed on their strengths and weaknesses, though. No cats mentioned there. So Yeah, they only have the two weaknesses, defending against through ball attacks, which is good for us, and defending against skillful players. And I can see this one that's not quite printed out on the sheet. It says catnip. Weaknesses, catnip. <laughs> Um, they're very strong at creating long shot opportunities, creating chances through individual skill and coming back from losing positions. And then they're, they're strong at loads of stuff. But they uh, they attack down the left. So they're, they're not going to do much of that against Stuart Dallas. Possession football, non-aggressive as well. So we need to, uh, Alioski needs to just getting amongst them and fuck them all up. I'm going to put this to you. Mind you, I'm just now, I've just suddenly had a flashback to the Norwich home game last season. But this is exactly the sort of game we need after the run we've had against somebody we don't expect to beat that we're worried about and Leeds United they come out and they confound our expectations they will attack that will help because no one's really tried to do that against us this season there's going to be space for a change yep fast counter attacks spacing behind Costa racing down the wing cross to Bamford missed (laughs) (laughs) it'll be great Eddie Eddie yeah exactly (laughs) that should be another test so we know what Minute one, the anxiety will start. <laughs> then what minute will we start hearing Eddie's name chanted? <laughs> Bless him. Oh, Bamford gets a hat-trick. I would love if Bamford gets a hat-trick tonight. Unless he stars Bamford and Nketiah, and then people will be grumbling about why Ryan Edmondson hasn't been given a game. Oh, but people will be grumbling. Oh, well, he said he never changes his bloody team. Well, he's and changed his bloody tactics yeah. now. I, I think I mentioned this on the match ball, that we are now stuck in a, between two groups in the crowd of people across when we are playing it out and we're at, when we're not playing it out at the back. People are... Angry when there's when there's like nice intricate slow build up when there's not people are just anxious in different ways and it's leading to a thing where everyone's just anxious. Upset. Yeah, <laughs> I think, and there were people actually hitting each other about Bamford in the stands on Saturday. I mean, <laughs> fucking hell! I think that was the young, the anxiety you could feel in the Derby game and the the Swansea game before that. Where you've got everybody's kind of whatever's happening, somebody is on edge about it, and it and it it means at all times there is this just this feeling of unease and unless we are scoring at all times somebody in the stands is is not happy sometimes even the same people because like, we need to just stop fanning about stop fucking fanning have a shot oh he's fucking blazed it over <laughs> useless what are you shooting from there for <laughs> it's, it's possible to have all these ideas in the one head reading through the uh, the stuff for the, the season 0-1-2 stuff in the extra ball that I found him Tony Cascarino when he lashed into David O'Leary. I saw. And he mentioned that um, O'Leary said he'd often talked about having, um, he always wanted like a spotlight in the stadium so that if, if say, Patrick Bamford scored a goal, you could turn this spotlight on and put it on all the people in the crowd (laughs) who had criticised him. And this was um, O'Leary's. And yeah, I'm sure it was Cascarino wrote this and it might have been another one, but saying, uh, yeah, O'Leary's never really got his head around the fact that, that fans don't have the same rationality and reasonableness towards the players that, that he he wants and that you can't really you can't really turn on these Klieg lights and go, ah, you, you fucker. <laughs> but it does, yeah, it's it's that kind of um that feeling a little bit at the moment where you could everything that happens you'd just turn the light on and loads of people would be there going, fucking knew we'd miss we that. Just need to get back to what we were doing best, which was playing nicely and scoring goals and winning games. Kyle Bartlett's in defence for them. He's a bit slow on the turn. We'll get him behind him. I mean, we're saying that, but we would have, we were desperate to sign him last summer. I, I don't take much solace out of the fact that Bartley might have a good a bad game. It's difficult. Bielsa made them sound. I mean, he he described their team 
saying they have six players who have an impact when they have possession. The two fullbacks, the two wingers, the centre forward and playmaker. Out of all the matches we've played so far, this opponent will be the most difficult to defend against. He didn't say anything about how difficult they'd be to score against, but I guess he probably doesn't want to get into that subject too yeah. often. We're our own worst enemy where that's concerned. Well, yeah. let's see what happens then, because um, it could mean we go into the Millwall game all afresh and you know bouncing and ready to take them apart as we, we're long overdue winning down at that shithole, aren't we? I mean, God, we, we so desperately need to put that one to bed. Why are we playing them again? Why, it's weren't, annoying, they, why it? weren't they just relegated? It feels like we we should go up and they should go down every season. Something <laughs> something conspires to, to keep us together. But why are Millwall still a fucking team? <laughs> <laughs> and why have they signed Matthew Smith? I mean, he scored three already. He's got in against Huddersfield, didn't he, the other week? Imagine. Mind you, everyone does. Imagine how many goals Matt Smith would have scored for Bielsa if we just signed him. <laughs> With his, his intricate link up play. Put the ball in the box, he'll score. I still say that is the biggest missed opportunity. And just looking at comparing some of the stats, so we've got some stuff from who scored. Aerials won. Kyle Bartley is the best for uh, West Brom with 3.7 aerials per game. Matt Smith, nine per game. There you go. That's what he brings. So Harrison crossing to Matt Smith doesn't matter. It could be as high as he wants. It could be as low as he wants. Matt Smith is heading it in the goal. So January... He can't be happy at Millwall for fuck's sake. He's a cultured <laughs> Frenchman, half Frenchman. We'll get it. We'll get him out of there. I, we need Salim Lamrani to appeal to his mother. I think you probably need to. They're let both him. French. He can. He can persuade her if he can. I'm not going to say that. Are you suggesting he's going around all the mums? No. Is, is that what you're implying? I'm just saying. You can go around yeah. the ex-mums. <laughs> An intelligent phone call with a persuasive argument and maybe a few photos. Of his biceps, <laughs> send us some texts, and uh, yeah, Matthew Smith will be racing to Yorkshire either I, to play for Leeds United or to get into a fight with him. I suspect you probably need to let this one go, Moscow. <laughs> yeah, we need to beat them, don't we? And we, we will do. I mean, they are fucking rubbish, didn't they? Uh, what was their score against Huddersfield? Yeah, they drew at Huddersfield, so they must be really fucking bad. 18th. Above Middlesbrough, which is funny. <laughs> that, that, that really is funny. But they're not a good side. Uh, they're never it? a good side, though. They've never been a good side, and we've always lost there. Yeah. That's they the problem. Are, uh, and their weaknesses are finishing scoring chances, keeping possession, and defending against through-ball attacks. So it sounds like it's set up, you know, for us to uh, to sort to sort them out thoroughly, but then um, it just doesn't happen. Predictions for these two games, then? Pair of defeats. <laughs> oh my, Michael, goodness, so soon. You were you were bouncing about two weeks ago. Well, reality's hit, hasn't it? <laughs> we're shit again. I've remembered. <laughs> I think, I've remembered the way we are. I think the West Brom game tonight will be, it'll signal the end of our promotion hopes and the Millwall game on Saturday will signal the start of our relegation battle. Who are we getting in as manager? Eddie Gray. <laughs> Seriously, then what are you predicting for these two? Uh, I don't know. I'd probably take three points across the two, however they come. Moscow. I don't know what to predict for West Brom tonight. I just don't know. And that Millwall will beat Millwall. I think we'll, yeah, maybe beat them so much we get six points for it, but I don't know. But yeah, West Brom tonight is just a complete, who even knows? And that's it's been like that every time we've played them under Bielsa because uh, when we played them with the Hawthorns, you wouldn't have expected us to lose 4-1 there, but then you remember who the goalkeeper was. Um, and then when we played them at Elland Road, nobody went into that game. We just lost to QPR. It was that um, Tom Woodhead who writes for the mag pointed out it's uh, 
it's um, it's a, a repeat six months later of when um, Bielsa was photographed crouched in the the corridor at QPR with the weight of the world on his shoulders, and then um, days later, sixteen seconds start, Pablo Hernandez in the top corner. So, so it's impossible to predict against West Brom. I'm going to be the voice of optimism here and say six points this week. I'll predict something tonight. Slavon Bilic will get sent off for having a scrap with one of our backroom staff. Probably one of our backroom staff will get sent off as well. I think there'll be fireworks on the touchline. Let's pick our heroes and villains now then. Who's improved our lives over the last week and who's made them worse? Uh, We do this every week. First, we do the Ken Bates Villainy Award and it's custom that Ken Bates gets the first nomination. We've tracked down Ken where he's been hanging out in, is it Wyoming or... Casper, Wyoming. Councilman Ken Bates. Named after Ankergren. Yeah, he's um, the problem in Casper is that there's, there's parking meters in town. People are not using them to just go to the shops. They're just they're just leaving them there all day because it's cheaper. There's kind of a, a parking, a large garage on the outskirts of town. They want people who are there all day to use that. So shoppers and the like can use the um, use the ones directly outside the shop. So they put these proposals in to to put some more parking meters in, change the prices slightly, things like that. So there's good reasons for it. But mm. um, Councilman Ken Bates, uh, well, he's not sure. He's not sure. Is he against? He's against it because he's against everything. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't like. He doesn't like the idea that he'll have to walk any distance with it dragging his enormous gut there. Um, <laughs> what an image! So, Susan, Susanna trailing behind him. So he's. So he's said that. Um, I can go crush maybe downtown residents and employees. The parking meters might not be appealing to tourists. Don't imagine Ken Bates would be very appealing to tourists. Come here, we've got Councilman Ken Bates. What, I, what I've enjoyed most about Ken, up the town. Ken when, he, when he appears on the podcast is, uh, Moscow, you do a really good sort of early era Ken and you're doing the deteriorating <laughs> Ken there, Michael. It's great. Yeah, my Ken's very much got a bit of food out the corner of his mouth. But I mean, you've got to remember for the tourism, he did think you could get people to Beeston for a nightclub mm. and a hotel, so, you know. I'm surprised he's not proposing a roller disco like it did Oldham. <laughs> no parking fees, roller skates. <laughs> So Ke- Councilman no parking Ken Bates on the dance floor. <laughs> nominated for preventing the city of Casper reaching its full potential. Well, we'll keep tabs on Ken and his new career then in Casper. Who else is having a nomination? Uh, Derby County. Again? Yeah, we all know why. Just for everything that they've done over the last week. And also uh, Birmingham City for letting Derby County win. Because that's, that's not how that story should have ended. Don't we want to put Derby in the hero section? We're not saying what they've done is heroic, but what we're saying is they have... It has brightened my week. It's brightened our week. Um, I mean, if you want to take that moral no, stance, it's, I'm it's, con- I'm sticking to condemning them. Just an open question. While laughing at them. It's an open question. We can condemn them, but we can also say it's made our week better. We could put them in both. Vill- villains for the behaviour, but uh, heroes for the way it made us feel. And then Birmingham are probably the worst of all in this for, for not following through. I mean, Derby County shouldn't have won that match. That's not right. Fair point. As an extension of Derby again, do we want to put Frank Lampard in once again? Yes. For not for his inability to stay quiet. Just someone asks you about it, just say, let's not talk about it. Yeah. It's done and dusted. Well, he's but, happy saying that about Derby. Mm. Well, I like the fact that he, he keeps talking about it, and it's something I tweeted from the Squareball account at the time when he was chirping, is that it kind of shows, it, it shines a light on the, the, the thing that underpins all this, which is that sense of entitlement. How dare somebody spy on me? <laughs> How yeah. dare they? And it's rattled him to that extent that he just can't leave it, can he? That someone's dared to do this to him. Frank Lampard. Like I say, he, can never, he never even gives a short answer on it, does he? He always prattles on for a good a good few minutes about it. Like, I did smile. Do we know who votes for these things? What happened with Spygate was very well documented and then they got fined. The rules changed slightly because of it. The, the rules changed slightly. There was a whole fucking new rule brought in. There wasn't a rule before. It wasn't a slight rule change. I felt it was improper. 
I mean, it's not as if he's made that clear. Should have said earlier, shouldn't he, if he's yeah. not happy with it? <laughs> if you weren't, yeah, if you had a problem with this, it was a strange decision. <laughs> and still, no one ever says, it went in a follow-up question, why did you lie about the, them having pliers and being like halfway through the fence with the police chasing him and stuff when that's not yeah. what happened? I don't think it's right. Yeah, and then Bielsa is obviously then asked and he just says, yeah, Frank's entitled to his opinion, which is probably boils him even more. I can't remember which, who it was. It was either an, an ex-player or a, a pundit tweeted exactly rightly. They just said, Frank, you need to let this go. It was Tony DeRigo. Tony knows. Yeah. It's nice, absolutely spot on. And he's ex-Chelsea, so he's not biased much. Uh, another hated little, it there uh, and hates Ken Bates. <laughs> another little man in a cheap suit who, uh, who won't shut up. Why is he down for this? Lee Johnson. Yeah, we we got Eddie and Ketia because he didn't want to go and play for Brist, uh, Bristol and Lee Johnson. Um, so now he's just questioning. He's gone on the radio questioning whether he'll get game time. Uh, that would have been the only question mark on Leeds and a club like that. Is he going to get the pure game time that he would expect? Because he could have done the 20-minute spells for Arsenal, but he's getting at Leeds. And it's all about game time. I think Leeds are a fantastic club with the top manager and he's made that decision and good luck to him. And it's not at all funny. Again, I don't want to... Uh, revel in Benicophobie's anterior cruciate ligament injury the way that I'm happy to revel in Richard Keogh's. But uh, yeah, the striker that they went and got instead of Enketia is um, out until much later in the season. And uh, yeah, uh, Lee Johnson says, yeah, we move on. We signed Benicophobie, which unfortunately hasn't gone too well through no fault of anybody, just a freak accident. Mm. I think... Uh, which describes Richard Keogh. <laughs> Indeed. So do we have any more candidates or should we wrap this one up? Kiko. Yeah. Fucking hell, Kiko. Just catch it, chuck it to one side. Kick it. Head it. He could have done so many different things in that movement. He could have juggled it, volleyed it out. In his defence, I mean, the Charlton player's somewhat near to getting his head on it, but (laughs) I've never seen it. It's It's so unorthodox. You can't even work out what he's thinking of doing. Like there's certain things where, you, where keepers just make mistakes and it's fine. Well, that's what I was talking about earlier, though. It's kind of, it, it's happened so quickly and at such close range that what you've seen there is instinctive. Nobody's had time to think about it. And, and what I want to know is what's behind that instinct to decide to punch that directly into the attacker? Sitting on Real Madrid's bench for five years probably might have had something to do with it. He's not played that many games in his the last few years of his career. So it may be that does that, his instincts in, uh, in that moment is to kind of just sit down. <laughs> that's what he does during a match normally he just sits down so it's like whatever's happening on the pitch yeah he'll get he'll warm up he'll get used to it he's what is he 32 time to learn oh he's a youngster he'll get in the groove of get some matches under his belt mind you Richard Keogh is what 33 and he hasn't learned so I get a feeling there's genuine antipathy there towards Kiko for that because he's caused us harm but is he having it or is it someone else I'd give it to Kiko it's tough because I, I don't think he's a villainous person I did notice it's looking expensive uh, getting to London you know when I mean, um, see that. when Alioski started digging at Apo Haume in the, the tunnel before the Barnsley match, where he's like, hey, Apo, you don't say hello, you're nervous. It's Kiko is the one who's then back. And I was like, yeah, Apo, what he said. So I like the fact that he joins in on the shit housing. And I mean, you complain about how much it cost you to get to London, but all that's paid for with your ill-gotten betting gains anyway. So I'm not sure that's a, that trumps Birmingham City's behaviour. Another nice bit of profit this week. I've reinvested uh, my, my winnings in... West Brom and Millwall wins this week. So, fucking <laughs> Just ticking it over. Right, so that means, like, Kiko can't win. I'm going to say either Birmingham City for failing in their uh, role as moral arbiters, or I just want to give it Frank Lampard. Yeah, do you know what? It. Yeah, Frank Lampard for not being able to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. If, we, if he can't let it go, we won't let it go. How many times have we given him this now? 
He must be getting into Sean Harvey territory. Yeah, Queen Elsa territory now, isn't it? This is what we need to do. Let it go. Jesus Christ, man. Right, Frank can have it. Frank Lampard Jr. And on to the Andy Hughes Hero Award. Now then, somebody who's shone a light on our week, who's improved it marginally. It's been a week of defeat, so it's quite hard to pick candidates from this one. Who's who's in there this time? I'm, I'm in favour of it going to no one this week. <laughs> Marcelo Bielsa said in his press conference yesterday that he uh, he reads uh, the square ball. Well, not specifically, but he does say that he looks at fans' opinions and takes uh, takes um, everything into account and likes to see what uh, people are saying. And that's, that goes back to, if you see the documentaries about him and stuff and read about him, he does. he's always had the habit of buying every sort of football magazine, sport magazine he can get his hands on and reading them all just to see what everybody's saying about everything. And then he uses that to... Uh, to to base build his opinion, and I'm not saying it's a coincidence that after last year's um, podcasts, Bailey Peacock Farrell was dropped and then sold. But perhaps we do have an influence. He's, I mean, he's not not paying attention when he says he listens to the opinions of fans. I'm, I'm picturing like a an assistant stood with him translating. Someone going, "I mean, bueno, uh, Jack Harrison, uh, mierda, uh, Conte, Pontifract." Uh, uh, <laughs> So, yeah, don't listen to all fans because they'll say some nasty things. Well, he wants to know all that stuff and he'll, he's quite good. He says he'll ignore them. He doesn't he doesn't let them override his own opinion, but he wants to take all of that into account. Because, all right, then. And it's what Mick Hennigan said. So, extra ball again the other week when we did the uh, the marching on together, our part in that story, when Mick Hennigan, we had the, the footage of him saying uh, about uh, fans yelling horrible things at the players from the standings. He said, I don't mind that. Because sometimes they they know what they're talking about as well. They they they've got some good opinions. So Marcelo Bielsa and Mick Hennigan, two peas in a pod. Yes. Well, okay then. Let's assume that Marcelo is listening or via a translator at least. And so, what, what's your message to Marcelo now, then, Michael? Lose to West Brom and Millwall. That's your message. No, you no. Win the money. No, no. I'm happy to lose my money. Like much like Bielsa himself, I'm happy to to give up my my money for the for the right cause. Just go and beat it. Go and beat everyone and lose me £10 a game for the rest of the season. That'd be perfect. How do you propose he does that? By winning games. <laughs> by, by horsewhipping Patrick Bamford. <laughs> and there we t- go. <laughs> We've got you down to specific advice now. What's uh, what's Spanish for horsewhip Patrick Bamford? <laughs> and potentially, if Jack Harrison, for every every cross that doesn't reach a man, just gets kicked. <laughs> just boots him. Comes straight on the pitch, boots him. Jack, come over to the sideline. Need to have a word. It's tactical, oh, it's tactical advice, tactical advice. Bang. Bang. <laughs> right, get out there, don't do that again. That would be great if he takes the uh, the metaphorical boot up the arse and just starts doing it <laughs> Could you imagine the, the media outcry if uh, Bielsa, multiple times a game, kicked one of his own players on the sidelines? <laughs> what would TalkSport do with that? What would the Daily Mail do with it? What would they all do with it? It's a disgrace. Roy <laughs> Keane would probably like it. <laughs> uh, who else is having a nomination for Heroics? Uh, the Children of the City of Leeds. That's a very... Um, it's a broad brush. It's a very Bielsa-type nomination, actually. <laughs> um, I went, along with John Howe, yesterday afternoon to the pavilion at Elland Road to see, because uh, the club are running a competition with local schools who are making a, doing a project about Leeds United to put it into a centenary time capsule that will be placed. Um, if it's small enough, the actual things. If not, it will be a USB stick. We'll put going a brick that is going in the... They're going to put it in the wall of the dressing room as a centenary time capsule and so yeah so we got to uh, go and see what the kids have been working on that's where Steve Morrison is locked away in the dressing room while he's I just think he's an ancient monument isn't he <laughs> um, fortunately I, I don't know if he was on the list one of the uh, 
the groups had this big book where they had a massive list of players. I think they they brainstormed who they could do um, projects on, and it was uh, Darko Milanic. And um, there was a couple. There was a couple I'd never even heard of. There was a big. Um, hey, little Brittany, do you want Nigel Worthington? There was a big uh, no uh, spread on um, Ilya Meslier. Someone really gone for Ilya Meslier and done big. Like it was about three sides of uh, of A three paper. But yeah, all these um, these kids are better like two or three weeks ago they'd never heard of like Albert Johansson or John Charles or uh, Tony Bow or Lucas Radaby or um, players that we all grew up with have done these projects and they were basically showing us what they know about them and uh, and and asking for tips and advice and we told them to stay away from the club it'll ruin your life forever that was one of the things is we went in these poor these poor young fools once once the uh, cop cat had stopped dancing and left yeah. like, right you've had the best bit hello now. children don't get emotionally attached to anything in your life because it will destroy you and break your heart but it was nice it was good to see these kids getting involved in uh, in the club and one uh, one who stuck out was this um, they were all about nine and ten as girls I thought she was going to faint when she was told that Calvin Phillips might have sat on one of the chairs in the pavilion. She was like, so if I went and sat on that chair, I'd be sitting on the chair that Calvin Phillips had sat on. And yeah, I thought she might have needed a, a, a cold cloth to revive her after that. She was absolutely <laughs> stunned at the proximity of, uh, of the actual Leeds players. Which is great. And yeah, and I saw a, a, a statuette of a, of a dabbing Billy Bremner, which is something that will... Um, it's, it, sounds, uh, it doesn't sound as good when you explain it, but when you see it and when you see how proud the kid is of, of making it, you go, you know what? That's fantastic. Um, I, I want the kids of the City of Leeds to have this because that, it's raised a smile making me think about that. And you forget how the little ones perceive all this stuff. It was lovely. And one of the, there was, um, as well as the Ilian Meslier projects, and we had done a very similar uh, rundown, everything they could find out about John Charles. And it said in, in big, bold, capital letters, John Charles had no pets. <laughs> I was like, great, I didn't know that. And I'd love to know more about why he did not have... Uh, any pets and, and why such emphasis well exactly it seemed, well it, it, I think they seemed outraged <laughs> probably uh, 20 years from now when they're doing this podcast they'll be like villain of the week John Charles never had a pet how dare he anyone else then or should we give it to the kids of the city of Leeds give it to the kids it's nice to know that yeah like you say they're still excited about the football club because we, we're very much more towards the, Jay, city, the Jay, cynical Jay jaded end of things aren't we but <laughs> there is that there is that nice bit where you just turn up to the games and you think I love Tony Aboa or whatever just nice that innocence I think some some bright uh, young child telling you that uh, Billy Bremner really believed in um, fairness and was against violence <laughs> yes Yes, he was. Well, she did then emphasise that he was off the pitch. Like, yeah, that that thing in uh, in the nightclubs in Denmark that got him banned from the Scotland squad. Don't need to worry about that. You just go on peace-loving Billy Bremner and the peace-loving kids of Leeds. Hey, look out then. On Friday the 8th of November at the Leeds City Hilton, there's a Sporting Legends charity dinner with Howard Wilkinson. If you fancy getting involved with that, it's a really worthy cause. Tickets, 45 quid or £400 for a table of 10. And the funds raised from that are going to the charity's Candle Lighters and the DM Thomas Foundation. If you want to get involved in it, just Google it. What do you Google? Yorkshire Sporting Legends charity dinner. That'll find you the, uh, the link with all the stuff on. Yorkshire Sporting Legends Charity Dinner. Awesome. Yeah, so get involved in that. And if you want to have a look at our website, find out uh, where our subscriptions are, details on the merch, including the famous Leeds Carajo mugs, hoodies, the what uh, and whatnot, uh, and the Extra Ball, our other podcast, all that is at thesquareball.net. So please have a look. West Brom tonight will be reconvening here in a matter of hours to discuss, uh, will it be a post-mortem? All that positivity we were just talking about with the kids of tomorrow. 
I don't think we'll be feeling much of that tonight. Or maybe. Well, if we are, it'll be, uh, be about half past ten when we come here, so it'll be past past the bedtime for, for good for good happiness vibes. I'm going to shout in the face of children leaving the stadium. You see? <laughs> Repent. <laughs> Repent. This is what they'll do to you. They had some of the under-18s down for the event yesterday and one of the, the schools, as, they, uh, as the kids walked past them on the way out, they gave them a high-five and said, try not to lose your next game. <laughs> yeah, on which note, right, we'll try not to. We'll speak to you on the match ball. See you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.